I want to begin with a confession. I want to confess that I enter these special Sundays of Christmas and Easter, especially with a certain kind of cynicism. Most clergy do, you know. We become a little bit jaded because we're used to seeing the swell of crowds on holiday weekends like Easter Sunday, and then the regular returning throngs of somewhat fewer people all in the same place at the same time the rest of the year. And I confess that I've been cynical about that at times. I'm confessing that because the Lord has called me to task on it. And I have to admit to you right now that what I understand more completely than ever before is that there's a reality at work here that is really much, much more worthy of our celebration than most of us clergy understand when we come back the Sunday after Easter. You see, in every church there are hundreds of people on the roster, but there are many of those folks these days that, well, I like to call them regular irregulars. They re they're regularly here on an irregular basis. But the truth is, is they wouldn't come at all if this didn't matter to them. And so we have to acknowledge that. And that means that with all these people on the roster, what's really happening on a day like today is, is you had the opportunity because all the other things that get in the way have been canceled for a special day like today to be here all at the same time. And so what we have actually is a homecoming. That's what today is, isn't it? It's a homecoming. I look out over the crowd and I see faces that are familiar to me and families with those faces so that I know that what I see before me is the homecoming of Shiloh, the Christian family of God. And I'm glad to see you. Welcome home. We've missed you all at once and we are so glad to be here in this same place. We recognize that in our world, technology that relates to transportation and communication has made us people who can no longer stay in a nuclear community as a nuclear family in the same way that once happened regularly in towns like Jasper. We recognize that people are strained by all the different things that are pulling on them and pulling them in different directions for different reasons. And we understand, as I say, that there's a lot of competition in your lives being the most busiest generation of all time, even though we have more leisure than most generations before us. It's ironic, isn't it? So the reason I'm taking this time to confess to you is because today I want to commend you for being here all at once. I want to thank you for coming all at once and being the family of God for a homecoming celebration. And with that in our hearts and our minds, let us read from today's scripture passage. Again, we're reading Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 2. And I invite you to follow along with me as I read. I'm going to start with verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. As they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all those things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So sticking with this theme of homecoming, I want to point out that Jesus was never really at home, you know, when he was with us on this earth. Our risen Lord's home is always with the Father and the Spirit in heaven and in the company of the angels. Throughout his earthly ministry, though, he did entertain guests from his home country from time to time. In fact, think about his birth when the star shone over his cradle, there was, in fact, a light from heaven shining down on the Lord. It was like a light in the window of his home place. When Jesus was baptized and the voice of God spoke and the dove descended, it was like a message descending from heaven, a message from home to the Lord Jesus. And when he was transfigured on the mountain, he was, in effect, standing with one foot on an island and one foot in his home country. Now, after suffering separation from the Father and the Spirit because of the sin he bore for our sake, he suffered in a way that he had never known in his whole existence, and now our risen Lord is visited by home folks again. This time, while we don't really know what happened inside the tomb before the witnesses arrived, there is a certain evidence in what we just read that heavenly beings were present. And they're always accompanied with bright light and voices like thunder so that those who are not receiving the message are faint and fall away and hear only things that terrify them. But the ones to whom the message is delivered is glorious truth from heaven. And so while he lay in the grave, he was visited by the home folks and he didn't need their help to raise from the dead and yet they accompanied him and aided him as he rose from the grave, obliterating the stone, Matthew says in his gospel. And so we know now without any doubt that our Lord Jesus who is always at home in another place has brought home to our place to be with us. It's imperative that we understand, actually, that in his resurrection, he is the, the first of a new kind of creation. He's the, he's the revised and improved version of humanity now. And yet, he is still the same as he was before. When he descended, so to speak, from heaven to be born as a baby, he took on our flesh, but he never left behind his, or his uh, divinity in order to accept his humanity. And then we understand that while he was fully human and fully divine, he allowed his flesh to be killed. And for this purpose, he has fulfilled 
everything that the Father had in mind for him to do for our sake. Then as the resurrected being, he is still the same but better. Except that in his case, the resurrection form has some flaws. There's still a wound in his side. There are still wounds in his hands and feet. And these you will see one day when you're in his presence. They are there because of the sacrifice he made so that we could be there with him. Otherwise, you're seeing in him what you can expect to be one day when you are resurrected. In the same way, we can understand then that what Jesus is is sort of a proof of concept. He's a prototype that shows us exactly what we can expect to be in our resurrection. So as we read over the weeks ahead about his appearances after the resurrection, imagine that you will be able to be and do in the same way he is through his resurrection form. It's kind of exciting to imagine, really. Here's what's really exciting for now, though. While we wait for that time to be like him in every way, as we see him in the flesh, face to face, toe to toe, we are given a little piece of heaven that we take with us everywhere we go in the form of the Holy Spirit. As he departed, and we'll celebrate this more completely in Pentecost season, I hope you can all make it back for a Pentecost homecoming, you will hear how the Holy Spirit becomes heaven in us, and in us, and through us, and around us, so that we are, in all respects, God's presence on earth. We are the sons and daughters of God because Jesus has created wholeness and completeness with God through his sacrificial offering. In other words, because of Jesus, we've been invited home again so that we're no longer residents here on earth, but in fact, we are sojourners who are looking for our homeland. And it will come for us either in our home going through death or through the return of Christ and the rise to meet him in the sky. But either way, we have a home to go to, and this isn't it. And this is why these sweet homecomings, like the one we're having here today at Shiloh, are so valuable and important because it reminds us that we're not alone, that there are people all around us who are no longer residents of the world as the Bible defines it, but in fact, residents of the Father's home. And like Jesus, we long to be in our Father's home, a place where many rooms have been prepared for us, a place where the Lord intends to come to receive us and to take us to be. So this Easter celebration we're experiencing is just a little taste of heaven. Look around and savor it and enjoy every minute of it. And then remember that at a time only known by the Father, there's going to be a trumpet sound and the dead shall be raised and the living shall be transformed. In the twinkling of an eye, the apostle says, and all will rise to meet our resurrected Lord. And then after a tribulation time and after a judgment, heaven will descend to earth and there will no longer be any separation. As it was in the beginning, it will be in the end. Amen. Amen.